All right. Our line of exhortation this evening is going to be very direct and clear, very practical, and I'm going to make a, a personal appeal to us, a very personal appeal, a pleading that the Christian journey is a journey that starts and we end someday. This life we're living in started someday, which you call your birthday, and someday it will be over. Yeah, it will be over someday. I mean, it's no news that the queen, as powerful, as influential, as awesome as she was, imagine we are using wars for once upon a time the strongest monarch on earth. 96. You know, 96 to God is like 90 seconds. So we are on a Christian journey. Okay? And I need us to soak in that sentence like you know that every day it takes us closer to the end of the journey today is about 13th or 14th of september 14th this is what is where we started from we started with january 1st in another few hundred days or less it will be merry christmas this journey is a guarantee you can't stop it it must continue now what would make sense truly is if at the end of the journey you look back Two things will either happen to you. Either you will rejoice or you will regret. Two things will either happen at the end of journey. Either you will be glad that I walked this journey or you will regret every bit of it. Now, I have never seen a dying man, but I have read stories and books about people who are about to leave the earth. One of the things they ask for when they are opportune to, ask, to have a request, if you ever met a dying man and you ask the dying man, what is the greatest desire right now in your heart? One of the things they ask for is more time. It's more time. Right now you have a lot of time. A whole lot of it. And you're not dying yet, amen? But it's important we establish that on this journey, a whole lot is expected of you. And therefore, the line of exhortation this morning is to jiggle you a little and bring, bring some awareness and awakening in you and for some reflection and self-examination that God has an expectation of your life. God has a card. He's taking. He's calling. One of the amazing things that scares me about God is God telling us that we shall give account of everything we say. Now, ladies and gentlemen, today alone, you can't place a number on the, on the things that have come out of your mouth. If you were to put into record and account the spoken words in their numbers, some of us have spoken well over two million words today. Over two million words. And God is sitting there, seated on his throne, and he's telling you, and he's not joking, and listen to this truth. God will not lower your standard because you can't meet it. He will not drop his standard because you are struggling. No. God's word is yea and amen. Two million words you've spoken today and he's telling you to your face. You will give account of every word. Now, now, if you are so insensitive and detached from God, what I'm saying will not make sense to you. But if you are so always in a deeper and growing relationship with God, you will take God very seriously. So the message today is to bring some form of awakening. And I'm going to be riding on the message that Pastor Etifia shared um, the um, penultimate Wednesday, like the upper Wednesday. Who can recall the title of that message that was shared by Patrick, I mean, Pastor Sophia on Wednesday, last week Wednesday? Anybody can recall? Stewardship. Stewardship. And it was so profound and so very thorough with the explanation and the communication, communication that even the little girl that was in that service, a little girl of about nine years old, understood the message in such that the lady could contribute. 
simplified word, stewardship. I'm going to be riding on that revelation this evening because God has accountable expectation from every one of us. So for instance, let me start by saying that our spiritual growth, now pay attention to this, please. Don't let me lose you. I really need you to, be, to focus on me a little. Your spiritual growth is fundamental to God for him to be able to make a great steward out of you. True or false? No, no, you need to listen to me. You need to listen to me. I'm blessed by God with three kids. Allocation of responsibility to each of those children is a function of their age and maturity. Am I correct, saints of God? Now you've got to follow me here because a formula from heaven will, will be released in this meeting that will put an end to struggle, complaining, and questioning. Now, nothing embarrasses God as much as the redeemed child that is being tortured by the devil. A redeemed child of God is under the siege of Satan. It embarrasses God. God will rather, God will rather make a boast of you for Satan to tempt you than you being tempted and being in affliction because you are ignorant or you are immature. In fact, God feels himself less of a father when his own child is going through difficult times. So, your spiritual growth is one of the reasons he orchestrated the idea of a church. Because when insight mixed with faith, the result is catastrophic. The whole idea of the church is that come, come and learn something from me because your, how well you can grow spiritually would communicate your dominion on earth. And spiritual growth is not, is not a lazy step. It's not a lazy. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you three things before I get to the body of the message. Three reasons why you must first grow spiritually. Number one reason I'm gonna give you this evening is spiritual growth is a guaranteed way to live a profitable life. Now, saints, not everybody is living a profitable life. Some people wake up every day complaining and grumbling and murmuring and wondering and lost. And these people I'm referring to are not unbelievers. God will only make profit out of the life of a child who is matured. And the scripture made it very clear in 2 Timothy 3.17. I don't know if multimedia can stay with me a little today. Um, 2 Timothy, I just want to show you a few things. I mean, you can doubt what you hear. But you are likely not to doubt what you see. You won't doubt what you see. Second Timothy 3.17 Establish profitability as a function of growth in the realm of the spirit. In the realm of the spirit, people grow. When you were born again, you were big, they call it spiritual babies. Right now, that the man of God may what? Be complete. Thoroughly what? Equipped for every word. So if good works is not taking place in your life and destiny, believe me, you are not yet the man that God expects you to be. You are still a child. Number two reason why you must grow spiritually before I take you to the message is that you stand a better chance of retaining our God-given victory in Christ. Ephesians 4.14, make that very clear. Ephesians 4.14, please write, his, write these things down. Because church is wired, designed to make sure you grow spiritually. Because your growth in spiritual things is what determines the confidence of God to entrust riches into your hand. God is looking for who to bless. But truth, no matter how I love my daughter, 
and I bought the kind of car Pastor Yomi drives, no matter how much I love my daughter, no matter even no matter how much that car is a legitimate inheritance. As a child, I won't hand over the key. Some of you, your delay in growth is holding down the blessing. You are taking the idea of spiritual growth with so much cash. You are taking it too casual. And God is saying, you are the one holding me down. I want to do much in your life, but can you please grow up? Okay. So, in, in, in that Ephesians 4, 7, um, 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 14, it says that we should no longer be what? Children. Being a child is not a problem. Staying a child is the issue. It is okay to be a child. I love children. I love the tenderness and the innocence that come with the atmosphere of a child. But that will not deliver the fullness of your colorful destiny if you stay that way. When you grow, we should no longer be a child. Don't store and fall. You are a jackpot. Everybody is jackpot. You are a jackpot. Those who, those who are matured in faith, they ask God questions before they take any decision. And the truth is this. God wants to speak to everybody. But he is more comfortable speaking with adults. Being children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of issues in the world. You can continue the reading. I'm just establishing three reasons why you should grow. The first one is that the reason why you must grow is your life can only be profitable to the extent of your spiritual greatness. That's number one. Number two, the victory, sickness, disease, infirmity will only torment you to the level of your spiritual weight. And I'll give you the last reason why you must grow spiritually. It is important we mature spiritually to enable, our, to, to enable access and enjoy the full kingdom inheritance. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. Galatians 4 verse 1 very quickly. Galatians 4 verse 1 very quickly. Galatians 4 1. You can enjoy the fullness. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child. Now, saints of God, I didn't, I didn't add a comma or a jot, a full stop to this scripture. This is the Bible. This is the word of God. This is divine instruction. This is the determinant to the next greatness of your life. Your complaint can be terminated when you grow spiritually. He said, now I say that to long as heir is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though is a master of all. When a child of God who should be a God is behaving like an ordinary man, it's not because God is at fault. Why are you not growing? And the mechanism for growth is what? The word of God. The word of God. I come to church not because I've got to see your face. I come to church not because I have nothing to do. I come to church because that is a place where growth is guaranteed. And the good news this evening is that the name of our church is Grace Assembly, transforming lives. Transforming lives. Please, can you stop looking tired and, and fatigued and discouraged and discombobulated and, 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 and you're even assaulting God and you're insulting God and you're saying you're asking questions from God. God, why me? No! Why is not God? It is you that needs to change your spiritual status from being a child to an adult. And therefore, this evening, I bring you a word that is simply titled, a very simple word. Uh, I, 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 I had a lot of thinking, praying, and reflecting, asking God, are you sure there is stamina in me to deliver what I'm about to say? He said, son, go ahead. Just go ahead and say it. All chances for me, just say it. And so I want to bring a word to you this evening that is titled, can I have this slide this evening? Are you a disciple or just a believer? Are you a disciple or just a believer? The good 
telling you sister this that the church has done well enough to increase the numbers of believers on earth oh yeah have you met believers before yeah oh they speak in tongues they come to church they believe in God maybe let me pause and read a scripture to you so that it would establish that there's a big difference between being a believer and being what? a disciple already by way of English your, your mind is already processing the difference you know the difference but somebody would say ah, ah, but I can tell you free of charge you can't be a disciple if you are not first what? a believer but you can be a believer and not be a disciple in your popular scripture in John 8 31 30, 30 precisely and 31 can I have John 8 30 31 and you will just see the demarcation there John 8 30 and 31 John 8 and then we will read it um, Luke 14 John 8 is the NKJV thank you multimedia I know you are doing a good job there but just Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this sense of God. Listen to this. You see, the beautiful thing about Wednesday services is also a dividing line between believers and disciples. It's also a dividing line between those who want to grow and those who are complacent and okay where they are. Okay. So, midweek service, we bring the world strong and real. Sunday service, amazing thing, way to exalt our heart, increase our faith, our faith. But in midweek, we give you bones to hit. You will hit the bones because the bones make you strong. Look at what he said there. He said, as he spoke these words, many what? Many. We have many believers who believe in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, that's all, clearly saying that the Jews believed in him, the Christians who believed in him. You know, in those days, it used to be divided between unbeliever and believer. That was the divide in those days. And you ask, are you a believer or an unbeliever? Now, the church has moved beyond that. It is no longer, are you a believer or not? It is not, are you a believer or a disciple? We will get there. We will get to what does it, what makes a disciple. But look at what is established here. It was God himself that established the word of God said this here. He said, then Jesus to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are what? So, what is the difference between a believer and a disciple? The believers heard him. So, reading the Bible does not make you a disciple. Abiding in the word is what starts the journey to discipleship. Abiding and reading, two different faith friends. So, you can meet believers who can quote scripture, but they are not abiding in it. The word abiding means you dwell in it and you believe it. Now, it's almost difficult to separate Christians. Let us read Luke. The guiding scripture for this evening. The title of the message is clear. Are you what? Help me a little, saints of God. Are you what? Okay. Do you want to ask your neighbor, which one are you? Are you a believer or a disciple? No, nah, don't, we don't wait for the answer. Let's read Luke, Luke 14. And read from, I will now start to read from verse 35. It's about 10 verses, so stay awake and stay alive. I know that this is going to be a different uh, rough terrain in teaching, but if things are going the way we are going in the body of Christ, I can assure you a projection. The church will lose reputation. The church will lose integrity. The church will lose power. The church, because believers don't change things. Believers are looking for miracles. The believers are looking for quick fix. Believers are seated to solve a problem in their life. The believers are dealing with God on transaction. God do it for me, then you are my God. If you don't do it, then I look for alternative. 
If you are not careful, what happened in the day of Elijah would happen. The prophets of Baal increased in number. The prophets of believers and disciples, they reduced only Elijah. In fact, Elijah got so confused that he got to a point he looked at God. He said, God, I'm the only one left. So, Baals have increased. Who are Baals? Those who create alternative to the problems of men outside God. Those who create alternative to the problems of men outside God. Now, if you read something in 1 John 5, 19, Oh God, much is entering my spirit this evening. Let's stay on this scripture first. Now great multitude. Now that, that thing you just saw there. Now great multitude went with him. It is the new rave of the church. That's the trendy way to measure churches now. Great multitude. You measure the grace and the anointing over the man of God by multitude. Now great multitude went with him. Ordinarily Jesus would have been okay. Who wants a church with three, four people? Now let's read further. Great multitude went with him. If he was Pastor Jesus in my modern day, he would have been feeling so, so excited, so fulfilled. He would have been saying, God, the grace of God, Mom, is awesome. But look at the man looked at him and said, and he said, and he turned and said to them, Can we read further? We're going to verse 33. If any of you come to me and does not what? Ah. Is it the right message you preach to a multitude? If any of you, anyone comes to me and does not hate his father <laughs> and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, it took his time to itemize them. Let somebody give away to hide. And sisters, yes, and his own life also. It cannot be what? Saints uh, of God. Did I write this verse of the Bible? Has anybody ever read this in the Bible before? Is this in your own Bible? It's in my Bible. I, I was concerned if I had to say this. The day I gave my life to Christ, this was the message they pointed my attention to. So we could withstand anything. Life was not measured by what God could give. Life was measured by the character of God found in us. If you can't do this, then you are not my disciple. Some of you are seated here your career is your high goal. If they have, now, I have met people who said, one of the reasons why I can't come to church on Wednesdays is that I'm usually very tired. I know what I say in my heart. The most useful part of your time, from morning till night, the most useless part, which is a close of the evening, which is the only thing God is asking, you still can't give him the most useless part. The most active part of a man's day is in the morning, mid-afternoon. The one in the evening is the useless part where everybody starts to relax and relapse. And God is saying, don't worry, bring that useless time. I can make sense out of you. If this thing, it's really your heart. And your work is not an idol. Your wife is not an idol. Your children is not an idol. Your life is not an idol. Then it will not cost you anything. You will not hesitate under any circumstances to follow God. Oh, someone is not enjoying my message tonight. Are you getting blessed at all here? You know, it's a Wednesday service. It's a Wednesday service. Let us read verse 28. 27, please 27. He has established it there. You are not my disciple. Whoever does not bear his what? His cross. And come after me cannot be what? My disciple. Number two. <laughs> Let's go to 29. 29. 29. Lest after he has laid the foundation, he's not able to finish it, and all we see it will begin to mock him down to 33. I will come back and extract the characteristics. Perhaps that's where we're going to have a discussion. But let us define by definition. 
who is a disciple. I will define it intellectually from earth and I will show you in the Bible the definition, scriptural definition of a disciple. Believe me, anything that is not in Bible is subject to error of men. Prophecy cannot supersede what is written. So, who is a disciple? A disciple, according to scripture, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it defined a disciple. Not my words, not my intellectual description. The scripture spoke. And the word of God is a final authority, regardless of how you feel. He said, now thanks be to God who always lead us in triumph in Christ and through his and through us. That is a description there of who? A disciple. Through us diffuses the fragrance of the knowledge in every place. In every place. For we are to God the fragrance of what? Christ. Among who? Those who are being saved. Now, so there are two things there. So, there is those who give the fragrance of Christ and they live among those who are being saved. The believers. So, in this room, I have two categories of people. Disciples and who? Believers. The desire of God today is that after this message, you will take a step and become a matured disciple. Who are being saved among those who are perishing? Can, is that the verse 15? Is that verse 15? Okay. Is that verse 15? So let me define according to general description and definition of disciple. A disciple is someone who listens to the teaching of Christ, abides with it, follows it, and transfers it to someone else. That is what you just read there. He said, now thank you to God who lead us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance. The word diffuse means you communicate it. You express the knowledge of Christ. And through that, for we are to God the fragrance, meaning you don't own yourself. Oh God. Meaning you don't own yourself. God owns you. A definition there. Let me make it simpler for us here and show us a scripture that in John 8 31. John 8 31. I'm not sure I've read that scripture to us. John 8 31. I've read it. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are what? my disciple that is another definition of who the word abide there is my emphasis not you read my word not you read my word not you hear the word but abide in my word then you are my disciples let us quickly move to expectations of disciples expectations of a disciple what is expected of you as a disciple. I'm going to give us six points 
But before I give you six points, I want us to look at it together in the light of the scripture we read. John 14. Luke 14, rather. Luke 14. Luke 14. Are we in Luke 14? Now great multitude went with him, with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now I want to ask a very honest question for discussion. This could not have been the first time you're reading this verse. But the first time you read it, what do you think it meant? The very first time you opened your Bible and you heard the word eight from the mouth of Jesus, this, is, this sounds like a contradiction of the person of Christ. When you read the scripture for the first time, what came to mind? Do you think he was literally talking about eating your father? Do you think he was literally talking about eating your mother? Do you think he was talking about eating your children? What came to your mind when you read the scripture? Anybody, please. Anybody. If anyone comes to me, for those of us born again here, and does not eat his father and mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, which some of us we do have, what do you think he's saying here? Is it implying that we should look at your brother, your wife, and run away? Because the word eight is a very strong word. It's a very powerful word. And Jesus is saying, it's on this prerequisite that qualifies you as a disciple. Christ, what are you saying? Anybody wants to help? All right, please give mama here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. From my own um, thinking and um, line of um, ideology, I would say, basically, just obeying me, irrespective of them. Um, for me, I think it's just obey me. Obey. obey me irrespective of whether it's convenient to serve God mm -hmm. from whatever your father is saying your mother is saying your wife will say your children or brothers or sisters will say just obey me for me very correct please celebrate her. Put, put your hands together another person give an interpretation to this powerful word the word there that concerns me is why would you use the word eight to me I think the idea means sacrifice. There he's talking about sacrifice. sacrifice. That you should sacrifice yourself irrespective of what your mother, your sister, irrespective of what your mother, mother your, father, your father, your brother, or your, your sister, brother, or your anybody is saying whatsoever. You should sacrifice, sacrifice yourself, yourself to God. So what you're saying is that he's not talking about literal eightness. No, 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 no. Why would you? Why do you think he chose that particular word to drive this point home? I think it's to confuse uh, the Christians. It's to confuse the Christians. It's to confuse who? It's, it's to confuse the believers. It's to confuse the believers. Yeah, so that they might be thinking that maybe when you hate your brother or your sister and follow him. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Please celebrate, Ambassador. There. All right. Now, now you know it's Bible study. We must just pay attention to this scripture before you, you are caught alone thinking about these things. Because there is a sect of religion who will not understand this, 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 this passage and they have used it otherwise. Let us hear what uh, Eluma. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, um, I just want to talk about the word hate. 
the word hate there. Yes, so um, it's the translation or the, the translation, um, yeah, the translation of yeah. the Bible. You know, the original language of the Bible was not English, so possibly the word used in the interpretation is not we do not have the exact word in english language to describe it oh. that's why the word hate has come in okay yes but um the scripture is talking about putting god first as a disciple above everything else thank you <clears throat> all right let's have one more contribution there because it's important that we get this in perspective now, some of us are under intense pressure from these three connections, father, mother, uncle, auntie, so many issues going on that is already dividing your attention in God. And God is saying, yeah, for you to be my disciple, it's convenient to be a believer. You know, there's a scripture about a believer, sorry to hold you there. He said, have you heard of the definition of a believer in Timothy? He said, ever learning, never come to the knowledge of the truth. Have you heard that scripture before in the book of Timothy? He now went further to define who another, another believer is. He said, having a form of godliness have you read that scripture in timothy also but the denying power thereof as a matter of fact by the time you now go to john john the first book of john chapter 1 verse 12 he said as many that believed he gave them power to be um john 1 12. if you believe you become the son of god by the time you are reading that same scripture in romans 8 14 he can't define who is a disciple so, believers, there's nothing wrong being a believer, but that is not the destination of your spiritual work. Now, the requirement for a disciple is what we're studying clearly tonight. So, I want to hear you, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, you know, I, I want to use this example. You know, when, you, when somebody tells you, uh, your friend or your colleague yesterday, you, you all went out together and suddenly they call you and tell you the person has passed away. Hmm. You know, you feel a bit, oh, well... God knows the best. <laughs> but the day they call you that your own father has passed on, hmm. you know, strength will leave you. You know, you become weak. You know, for the other people, you can feel, well, God knows what about your own case. What will you say knows? So I think this is more used, uh, hate there is more used to qualify. Um, more love. If you see those, he didn't say you are a friend, he didn't say you are a boss. You say you are sister. Yes, you are very you are blood. brother. You are father. Wife. You are mother. You can hear that somebody's mother passed away, but the day your own mother passes away, you know how it feels like. So it's love. It's almost like what she's saying. The Bible says, it's from the Ten Commandments also, it says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Hmm. So it's just another way of saying love. Yeah? The love must supersede you know, the, one you, the ones you have for your brother, your father, all that. And that's where it really... <laughs> I hear you. Celebrate the man of God there. Okay, I'll take that last contribution. John is still far. <laughs> Give it to your, um, the young pastor. Good uh, evening, sir. Good evening, church. Uh, I feel like being a disciple is more or less like following Christ. Because yeah. the disciples in the Bible were always with Christ. They were always following him. Mm. Now, Bible, I think that Bible use the word hate there not literally means to hate your family members and everybody. Yeah. Just like, for example, now if God calls me today and says, okay, fine, go to Zamfara and then go and start a crusade there. Now, I know that, okay, most parts of the northern states currently are not 100% safe. And then I'm going to the north to go and start a crusade with 
let's say about 70 percent of the people being muslims and then god is calling me to go to Zanfara, and then my dad is like okay are you okay my mom is like okay but then the same bible says that before you were created he knew you and then he, he, he does not have the plan of evil towards you yeah. so therefore he's telling me that okay fine i should despise what you're saying and i should follow him to the end so i think that's the concept of the word hate in the scripture very good celebrate him okay one more one more person here anyway that's you that's your idea it's an interactive service praise the lord hallelujah what i understand it's um you know there's a place in the bible that says that um christ said if you want to be my disciple if you want to be my disciple you're going to forget your mother forget mm. your father forget your sister pick up your cross pick up your and cross follow me. and follow me automatically it's saying that if or even though okay for example maybe you're married with your kids you're staying in lagos right good and the spirit of god just told you that pastor go to ghana go to ghana and deliver my word you'll be like ah, what will become of my children my wife forget about them the same person who told you to go to Ghana mm. will take care of them. True. So the Bible is not saying that you should forget about them. No. I get you. Let the word of God place his word. Let his word be first. Let God be first in your life. Yeah. Before your family. Him that told you to go to Ghana, he has already he has good plans for your children and your wife. Hallelujah. So they will not suffer. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, maybe we take this last one. Just this last one. Yeah. That, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That area you trying to elaborate for us, my own area, Christ is trying to to build us, or like He's trying to let us know. Is the order of our life. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Mm. Nothing should go higher more than him. Is the order, priority of our life. All right, thank you. Thank you. Celebrating. All right, let me give you a very practical illustration to what Christ was trying to communicate here. While I was studying and I came across the word, that word eight. I took further study to ask, you could have used any other word rather than that particular word. He said, no. That is a word that is strong enough to communicate the intensity of what I demand from you. Listen to this. He said, you will so love me as your God that when your siblings look at you, they will interpret the intensity of that love. The way they will see it, they will think you hate them. I don't know if you got it. There are three components that comes with expression of love that we annul the impact of it. Number one, it's called influence. Influence is very powerful. Some people call their friend, I'm going to church, or call their husband, or call their immediate service, I'm going to the immediate service. Can I tell you something that could happen in that conversation? Ah, traffic is much today. Do you know, sincerely, the, the other person at the end of the call didn't say don't go. What you saw there was what? Influence. Then all of a sudden, let me look at traffic. So Jesus wrote that scripture. 
the day you find yourself under the influence of your father of your mother of your children even for your own life the day you are under the, the hold of influence deciding because influence is a subtle way to give instruction he said remember that you are a disciple I should come first hmm. two the second component of, the, of an expression of love is called loyalty loyalty what Jesus is saying that you'll be so loyal to me that your siblings will think you are mad you'll be so loyal to me that we call you fanatics now we have less fanatics in the body now yeah we have less fanatics in the body now but I can tell you square in today until you become very fanatical with Christ you are still subject to the influence and the toe and fro of this world understand influence understand loyalty the last thing that makes the difference is the dimension of love itself love unto death so as, he, as I'm speaking you start to ask yourself am I really a disciple or I'm just a believer as I'm speaking you're asking is there anybody in the circle of influence in my life that is an idol to me I imagine standing here right now you know, I, I was thinking and said concerning Abraham. God told Abraham, pick up Isaac. And then we have had this conversation. If Abraham had picked his phone to call Sarah and say, Sarah, the Lord just told me to go and kill Isaac, what do you think Sarah would have said? Oh, Nishibe now. Now you can't do that, Abraham. Are you, I mean, are you aware that I gave back to this child in old age? Is there, are there voices in your life today that is battling with your concentration in Christ? That's it, this church thing you have been going all your life, nothing has happened. The day you come in contact with this scripture, they fall into categories of hate your brother. Because every time you ignore the advice of a father, every time you ignore the advice of a mother as against God, they will interpret it as what? Hate. But God is saying that the, 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 the yardstick what makes you stand out from just being a believer is that these things must be less in terms of influence, must be less in terms of loyalty. Now, don't get, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should literally show hostility or animosity towards your loved ones. I'm not saying that from this pulpit. I'm only saying that when the choice has to be made between God and their view, God as a disciple is expecting you to choose him. Oh, so for instance, you have click of friends. All of them are very, very comfortable and well, well to do. And they are saying, look, we won't give you our money because you are not doing what we are doing. But you would rather say, no, I won't do this because I made what? A disciple of Christ. The day the church will increase the number of disciples as against increasing believers, the church will become very strong. Trust me. It was well. You know, I, I, I preach way back on campus and still preaching. The most difficult people to convert to the faith. If I mention their name on this pulpit, you will know why they are like that. It's because they have this fortitude of a disciple spirit in them. This journey to discipleship is the ultimate demand of God in our journey, in our Christian walk. 
If you are currently at the level of a believer, you are not there yet. And the Bible was clear to explain the requirements. So can we go further? So the first requirement is that a true disciple is willing to elevate their faith over their family, over their friends. That is a disciple. Number one, a true disciple is willing to elevate their faith over their family, over their friends or loved ones. Number two, can we go? Because we're going to take all of those things one by one. Can you leave me with that scripture, Luke 14, 25? Multimedia, help me. It's a Bible study. We have limited time. 15 minutes to go. Thank you. Now 26. Stay in 26 now. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be. It's not negotiable. You cannot be. Go further now. Again, another requirement is up there. Push it up. And whoever does not bear, what? You see, Pastor Etifia shared a message last Wednesday, and he took his text from, I think, Matthew 25, when he was talking about the parable of the talent. Can you recall that teaching? He said something that struck me differently. He said when the man came back to receive account for the talents he gave them, the Bible said he looked at the one he gave five, and he said, well done, you've done a fantastic job. I'm a God of results. I love results. Thank you for giving me good results. He looked at the one he gave two. He said, man, you're the man. Thank you. Two, you made it four. God bless you. Thank you. He then looked at the one that, that he gave one. He looked at him and said, what is your problem? Now, I'm not upset that you received it from me. I'm not angry. I'm angry because you didn't make sense out of it. And he said to that one, listen to this. This is what struck my, my thoughts. He said, collect that one from him. Collect it from him. Why did he collect it from him? So, some reduction in your life, some losses in life, is not necessarily Satan. If that fellow went to a church to pray, that what he had, they collected from him, they would have told him that this is one, one spiritual attack on your life. No! God will collect something from you where you don't know how to convert it to productivity. Now, when God collects something from you, who will go and take it from God? No amount of prayer meeting. Now, this, this, this conversation is not a joke. God is committed to changing somebody's status in this service. Number two, a true disciple elevates sacrifice over self-centeredness. Sir, the reason the man, when the man finally opened his mouth to explain or give justification for not converting the one talent, what did he say? Who can recall what he said? The, when he finally opened his mouth, the master said, give me my one talent back. He gave it to the one with ten. That's a loss to you. Now, but so what happened Why you didn't convert it to anything? Who can recall the answer he gave? Ah! Ah! Please come and give this mic to Pastor Me. He's, he's quoting verbatim. <laughs> Sir, I know I know that you are a mean man. And you reap where you did not sow. And that was the reason why. Now, do you know lament in the believers who are saying, God, you are not fair to me? God, you are sincerely not fair to me. And God will say, Maybe it's because you have life. You can record that I'm not fair. 
Is it not the living that can talk and not fair? Is it not? You are, you are, you are not married yet. And you are saying God. Ah, ah, when would you answer me? God, it's because you are a beautiful girl that you think you can demand a husband. He said, God, you are not fair. You are a mean man. You like to reap where you did not sow. I wonder how that guy came up with all that description about his master. But a true disciple, disciple is someone that is sacrificial in nature. You know, when it comes to giving, there are two dimensions, two dimensional moods to giving. God expects that you give sacrificially, true or false. What is sacrificial giving? Giving when you don't have enough. Is that not sacrificial giving? Then God expects that you give what? Cheerfully. When you have in excess, you are joyful to give. You know, when someone has about one million, it's easy for the person to give like 20,000 now. But when you have 20,000 and you are standing before God in prayer, in my days of giving offering in church, we don't determine offering from the homo. We pack all our money in our pockets, waiting for God to tell us how much to give. But economy, theory, and economy, and teaching of motivational talk, we are losing our discipleship instincts. Is that a true disciple is someone who does not bear, who bears, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The current pain you are dealing with is not necessarily because you are a sinner. It's that you are paying the price of obedience to God. Can I be honest with you? Because you refuse to compromise, someone can choose to punish you. But you are a disciple. Let's look at the other reason to, uh, attributes of a disciple. A true disciple is willing to what? Accept. Can we go further now? A whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, stay on that 27. Again. Ah, it's 14. Oh. It's Luke 14. Disciples concentrate. Oh. Luke 14. Is that not what we're reading? Not 12. Thank you. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Saints of God, I want to ask again, what does bear your cross mean? What does cross mean? What does cross mean? What is a cross currently in your heart? What does cross mean? The man looked at God. He said, God, can you remove this affliction from me? And Jesus, and the word of God answered Paul and said, this affliction, I will leave it there. He said, why? My grace is sufficient. Are you feeling a bit uncomfortable like you are carrying a cross? Every cross is not a product of iniquity. Some challenges are not because you are a sinner. There are so many shortcuts you can take to have your happiness. But you choose to stay on the word of God. It's not because you don't know what to do outside God. Now listen to me. Some people envy your steadfastness in faith. But you don't envy those who compromise. Don't envy those who compromise. Have you been broke before? Have you been broke and someone mistakenly transferred money into your account? Hello? Have you been broke before and you entered Marwa and you saw a pile of money on the seat? Hello, sir? You know, they say that you can say you are not a thief once you are tempted. 
Every man will be tempted by his desires. The way I'm standing here, you can't tempt me with India M. You know that. What's India M in Yoruba? You can't tell me to come and smoke in there. You know why, Oga? It is nothing called instinctive desire in me. It's not. But when you are owing somebody, maybe you were told that the Christian walk is a walk in the park. Saints of God, the road to Golgotha, you will carry your cross. There is a place called Golgotha. Where you will finally drop the cross and pick the crown. Smile because you are closer to Golgotha. I know you have other means to survive your current situation, but you choose the way of the Lord. Why? You are a disciple. Oh, your mates are getting married. I know a young lady who, after waiting for too long to get married, as I speak to you right now, she's about 47 years old. She met a, a, a young man two years ago and the young man said, the only condition I will marry you, and I'm not saying a, 40, a 47 year old lady, as of when I knew her till now, I don't know if it had happened, then, till now, she had never met with a man. And the man said to her, only on one condition would I marry you. If you can give me a baby. And they dragged it and they are still dragging it. Now listen to this. The enemy will attack you at your point of anxiety. Area of your life that you are most very weak and vulnerable is where the enemy, that is the cross. There are moments you sit alone and your brain is thinking. But if you have listened to some motivational speaker, your problem is absence of wisdom. It's not always true. Your problem is because you lack understanding. It is not always true. There are some things called cross. You can't throw it away. You will carry it. You don't like this gospel, but trust me, friends, in this Christian walk, you will carry your cross. If your Jesus carried his own, he carried his own, and he was not walking majestically with it, he showed every symptoms of fatigue and weariness and discouragement. If you feel tired and discouraged today, it's the weight of the cross. But trust me, you will get to Golgotha. And you know something I like about Jesus? When he finally got to Golgotha and they gave him the crown, I lost something he said. He said, it is finished. Ha. Smile. Because the day of it is finished is closer than the cross you have carried. I remember when I had some form of issue many couple of months, years back, and thank God to the pastorates, they came through for me and prayed for me and did all that. So many issues and business. You see, look, when a man is going through difficult time, it's, don't label him a sinner. If you don't know the roots of the story or the choices you had, don't judge him. But I remember a young boy in this service. I call him Dele the Lion. He looked at me on one very discouraged Sunday morning. He said, Pastor Steve, you look tired. I said, yes, I'm weary. And temptations was running through my mind. One of the temptations was to just leave. Leave the place of your glory and honor. And take a walk. And he said to me, he said, son. You know, he didn't call me son. You know, when you're a preacher, you say son a lot. <laughs> he said, Pastor Steve, listen to this. Wherever you fall, that is where you should get up. Because when you get up there, 
you give God glory. But if you left where you fall and walked away, and when God restored you there, you have denied him glory where you fall. Because that's your fall and the glory is a source of inspiration to another person that will fall. I held on to it. I went through. The Bible says, and Jesus endured the shame. He endured the rebuke. He, I don't know what you are enduring. Trust me. Put your eye on the glory. God will come true for you. You know one thing I love about family church? Everybody will know your story. Let them also know your glory. I love something about family church. As small as we are, we know ourselves. And don't, don't pretend. They know, they, what they whisper behind you. But you know what? Stay in focus. If they can talk the story, they will share the glory also. But with the heart of a disciple. Oh my God. God has been faithful to me. That's why I love that song. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. I will sing of the goodness of God. We're talking discipleship tonight. A place where men are separated from boys. A place where it is not about how the church looks or how the pastor talks or who does not greet you or who greets you, who likes your face, who does not like your face. It doesn't matter. You are a disciple. Christ, looking up to Jesus, the author and the finisher of that faith. Let's look at this again. What is another characteristic of a disciple? Oh my God, we're out of time. Let me close. There is no end to the study of who a disciple is. I have just laid a foundation this evening. You can't call yourself a champion, a warrior, a defender of the faith if you are not a disciple. You can't. They will bring people that are sick to you. You will say, let's go to hospital. A disciple will say, no, let us pray. A disciple will say, let us pray. In closing, Salvation will cost you nothing. Mm -hmm. Salvation will cost you nothing. But discipleship will cost you everything. Salvation will cost you nothing. But discipleship will cost you everything. Don't compromise. Don't lower your standard. You know, one of the things I told a young lady three weeks ago, so tired a believer. I said to her, I said, Mama, listen to this. If you have to follow God because what God has to offer you, sorry, you will soon be disappointed. Because God does not work with the time of men. For everything you ask God, He would answer, but in His own time. I said, But if you relate with God based on trusting His character, God's character, you will not go weary. For He is not a man that will lie, or the Son of Man that will change His mind. I lean on God's character as against his power. I love the power of God. But the character of God will take me through to eternity. There are men who are demonstrating power. But are very, very... They are nothing behind the pulpit. Something else outside, something else. Beside. You know the gift of God is without repentance. God can anoint you and you do miracle. He 
said in that day they will come and say, but we did this in your name. And we said, you? I don't have, I have no idea of who you are. But they did it in his name. So when he said the dead got up, the dead got up. But they were never a disciple. Master, love it. You know that was what Jesus asked him. Love it thou me. He said what? Feed my sheep. You have been fed tonight. Go back and tell yourself. I will hold on to my faith. Steadfastly. I will hold on to my faith. Steadfastly. I will hold on to Jesus. Steadfastly. Bow your heads with me in prayer in a moment. And say, God, I receive grace to be a good disciple. Remember on Wednesday, on, on Sunday, the teaching was on grace. I would have loved to share a scripture with you. He says, some use grace as an excuse to remain in iniquity. Others use grace to increase the grace of God over their life. Ask the Lord to increase the grace to be focused and not be discouraged. I don't know what you're dealing with, but you now sometimes being a disciple requires a price. It costs you nothing to have salvation. It will cost you everything to be a disciple. Father, thank you for the grace of tonight. Take all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. If time will permit, some other time will continue. Uh, but that's the much time we allow us today. Have you been blessed at all tonight? Have you been blessed at all? Hallelujah.